Hey fans, before we get going, just wanted to send out a reminder that you can head to anchor.fm slash Wolverine Sounds, where you can choose to support this podcast, or you can send us voice messages. We certainly appreciate either, so head over to anchor.fm slash Wolverine Sounds. Please show us some love. Now let's get on to the show. It's the Go Blue Crew. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 104 of the Go Blue Crew. Michigan is coming off of a dominating win against Michigan State, um, one that I don't think most people expected because of what we talked about last show, that Michigan doesn't have those performances against Michigan State, but they they went out there and brushed off a slow start and and went off to to win pretty big, forty four ten. So, were you? Uh, I guess I'm going to assume you were surprised. So I'll ask, how surprised were you that Michigan pulled off uh, this lopsided of a win? So what I'm surprised about is how they did it and how well they executed in, in nearly a, a flawless game. Uh, in a lot of ways, especially Shea Patterson's play outside of sacks, which is obviously more so on the offensive line. Um, and I guess his inability to throw it away, especially with the one really bad uh, one where he tripped. But I can't remember my exact score prediction, but I, I think I had them winning by a decent margin. I texted a couple of people saying I expect them to win by 20-plus. I was at the game. It was electric. The atmosphere was great, even in the cold. It uh, wasn't that cold, by the way, if you dressed properly because the sun came out. But I just think the way that they executed, uh, the way that they threw the ball so much, and then the fact that they capitalized off of Michigan State's mistakes and after they made mistakes themselves, um, came back and, and get dug themselves out of some pretty big holes. Specifically, uh, you tried the two-quarterback thing, uh, you had the penalty there and you, you come back and you make up with a big play after that you had a what, third and 29 that you convert on uh just you know capitalizing off of a blocked punt on the next play a nice pass from shade to nico collins so i guess i'm not surprised that uh michigan dominated michigan state uh, but surprised that they blew the doors off michigan state in the near perfect uh fashion that they did so Shea Patterson uh, statistically had the best game a Michigan quarterback has ever had against Michigan State and uh, certainly passed the eye test, too. I mean, as he talked about that, he tried to throw the ball away, and that was, that was the equivalent of against Penn State, like using his left hand to – or no, that was against Notre Dame, using his left hand to try to throw it to somebody, throw it away. I don't know, but it was kind of ugly. Other than that, though – just uh, a complete game, four touchdowns. Looked like the fourth was going to be wiped away. I mean, it was with uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. He ended up stepping out of bounds, but he came back on a on a third and short and, and threw his fourth touchdown pass. This, um, I have to say, I have to bring it up, I've never been one to throughout this season to, to think that Shea Patterson needed to take a seat and let Dylan McCaffrey or Joe Milton come in. Now, Derek, I can't say that you've said that, but you have been leaning that way. 
Uh, you you did at times lean that way, and and plenty of other people did too. What do you have to say for yourself now? Yeah, so the only time I've ever mentioned that is if the season turned into a season where Michigan seemingly had nothing to play for. Um, now they're a top 15 team in the country and have some relevance in terms of uh, what they've been able to do uh, against teams on the schedule. When I had made my comments about it might be time to to go on to the next chapter, it's kind of the same conversation that Michigan State's probably having with Brian Lewerke is you probably still want to play the best player to, to win as many games. Michigan State's playing to be bowl eligible at this point. Uh, but that was after uh, a rough start, a loss to Wisconsin. You dropped to Penn State and the impression that, hey, with Notre Dame on the schedule, a road game at Maryland, Maryland and Michigan State and then obviously Ohio State more of wondering is Shea the right person to play if there's not much to play for this season now you could some people will say there isn't a lot to play for uh, in terms of they aren't a Big Ten championship contender. They're not a college football playoff team uh, because of that. Uh, but I would argue now that Michigan has a ton to play for. Um, they want to finish the season as high as they can in the rankings. They want to get into the best bowl game. I saw some stuff thrown out about the Rose Bowl. Obviously, you have to win out if that's the case, and you have to have some other things around the country go in your favor, but there they would be a huge draw out there just because of, of how fans travel and the, and the type of program they are. Uh, so I would say that, yeah, most of my comments were with the assumption that if things if the wheels fell off and then things just really started um, looking miserable, then I would be all the way for Dylan McCaffrey or Joe Milton uh, just because I'd want to see Michigan prep for the future. But I'm su very surprised Again, not as not as surprised about the Michigan State result because I think that just the talent and, and where the two programs are, like we talked about last episode, Michigan should have won that game uh, convincingly. But I am surprised if you couple that with Notre Dame, uh, the second half against Penn State, and the slim chance uh, that they could hang with Ohio State if they play the way they did against Michigan State. So Shea all the way, and I think that almost any doubter at this point uh, can at least sit back and appreciate what he did against Michigan State because when you put out the best output a quarterback ever has against the Spartans, I mean, you at least have to tip your cat, even if you're in the camp that thought Dylan McCaffrey was the way to go earlier in the season. Uh, Shea all the way. Is that an official hashtag or something? Yeah, I just started it today. It really? That, that came off the top of your head? Yeah. I okay. I mean, maybe I saw it somewhere and subconsciously said that, but I feel pretty confident that I just made that up. Impressive. I don't remember if it was Joe Klatt or somebody else. I can't even remember if it was on the broadcast, but they mentioned that Michigan didn't really run the ball very well. Um, against the Spartans. And, and that's kind of what you would expect and to a certain extent because Michigan State's defense did come in looking pretty good. I mean, I don't know the, the team as a whole is not great, and, and now they're, they're going to play Rutgers and Maryland to see if they can get bowl eligible. But Michigan had 2.4 yards per carry, uh, 34 total carries. Uh, Shea Patterson, you know, you, you – bring in some sacks and he was at negative 15. Um, but, but the person's point, and I, I think it was Joel Klatt, but his point was that this is why you brought Josh Gaddis to Michigan. It was because you can't always run the ball against 
every defense you're going up against, which is traditionally what Michigan has tried to do. It's like run or bust, and we'll have a quarterback out there, and let's hope he's capable of some things. You bring Josh Gaddis to Michigan for these games when the run game isn't there and you got to figure out how to score points. Now, Michigan State was not going to get into a high-scoring affair, but as we saw, that could have happened, and Michigan probably would have been okay with 44 points. And I thought that was a really great observation, something that should have been more obvious, but just looking live at the game, watching it, I didn't even realize that Michigan wasn't running the ball that well because it was being masked so well by everything else. I thought that was terrific. Yeah, I mean, to some point, any positive play in, in possessions that you uh, end up seeing the team in the end zone doesn't really matter how you got there. Just the fact that you scored. I mean, it's it's nice to have a defense or special teams touchdown in games where the offense has, has really fallen apart. But, yeah, Michigan State has had a good run defense uh, year after year, including this year. Uh, I believe a top 15 team in the country. On at some point the season listed higher than Michigan in terms of total run and defense, but I think that it was maybe more noticeable at the game. Again, I've I've watched at least like a 20, 30 minute version of highlights. I haven't watched the whole game in terms of the broadcast, uh, but being at the game, it was definitely uh, noticeable that it was pass heavy. And and some people that were sitting around me were actually talking about. Like, oh my goodness, can you just run the ball? Like, why are you not running the ball? And and mostly in those first two possessions, the first, the punt, and then they went for it on fourth and one or whatever it was uh, and turned the ball over on downs. But it's one of those things where I think right away, and you you heard Jim Harbaugh allude to it after the game, that Josh Gads thought that, you know, Michigan State would make these adjustments. What I saw as a fan is Michigan is kind of – um, looking at Michigan State saying, hey, they can stop the run. They can especially stop the run up the middle. And so we're going to uh, spread it out. We're going to try to utilize some speed and space, get the passing game going early to show Michigan State that, hey, you know, you might stop us in the run game. Ultimately, they did hold them 200, 100 yards as a team, I believe. Uh, and But they found another way yeah, to beat 83. Them. So, yeah. I mean, a great performance in terms of Michigan State's defense uh, stopping Michigan from having a, a solid rushing attack, but it didn't matter. And like you you alluded to, um, that's why Josh Gaddis is on staff uh, to beat teams in other ways other than running it down their throats because, as we've seen in many big games and many big matchups, Harbaugh relies on the run. They want to uh, win the battle in the trenches and that has not worked historically in some of these matchups including matchups against Michigan State uh, it's just it's funny because two years ago uh, the last time Michigan State visited Ann Arbor they also threw uh, 40 times uh, and it didn't work at all and to, to think that two years later um, looking at where the programs are two years later uh, included uh, to throw the ball that much and not have to rely on the run was was pretty comical almost to just see that Michigan could throw the ball all over the Spartans uh, knowing that I also sat there two years ago in a monsoon uh, and cringed every time John O'Corn dropped back to pass we all cringe you were not alone um where are we with michigan's wide receivers because nico collins i i think is the guy who has gotten the most attention as far as wondering you know why isn't michigan just throwing the ball up to him more because he seems to go up there and if he doesn't catch the ball 
Uh, more times than not, he's drawing a pass interference flag. But Ronnie Bell, nine catches, 150 yards, uh, didn't get in the end zone. I don't think he's. I don't think he has a touchdown this season. He does but not. Was was obviously just like a, a difference maker. The the best athlete, the best runner after the catch. I mean, it was. It was incredible. It was stuff that we've seen all season. It just seemed like way more of it all of a sudden against Michigan State. So where are we with Nico Collins, Ronnie Bell, Donovan Peoples-Jones, throw in um, Tariq Black? I mean, those are all very talented receivers, but are we ready to go ahead and say Ronnie Bell is Michigan's best receiver? You know, it seems like he's the the most effective receiver, and I don't know if it's just the the – position he plays in terms of within the the new offense or the chemistry that he's developed with Shea Patterson I'm pretty sure his uh two touchdowns uh last season were his first two catches um and I think he had what five ten total last year um so it's crazy to think that uh, he had those touchdowns last year I know one specifically was like 50 yards against Nebraska when the game was already out of hand um because I remember being at that one uh but this year yeah it's crazy he has not gotten in the end zone yet is averaging um 17 yards per catch he's got a long reception of 71 yards uh and he leads the team by uh, in receptions by 11 receptions so uh had to have a game like that against Michigan state is awesome obviously i'm sure he would have loved to find the end zone he had a couple of opportunities and and just got pushed out of bounds uh but i would say that he's definitely the most effective um wide receiver i think the biggest weapon is still nico collins and i think the most versatile is obviously donovan people's jones when you can include what he does in the run game but even Tariq black has more receiving yards on less receptions than donovan people's jones this year so just to have four wide receivers um that probably any given day could be the top guy or have a big game uh, i think is pretty special and, and i expect ronnie bell to, to get in the end zone before the season's up I think you're exactly right that it, it makes sense that Ronnie Bell, knowing what we know now, has more receptions than Nico Collins because he's uh, he's got more speed. He's he's just a little easier to utilize without taking a shot downfield. Um, I do still think that Michigan is underutilizing Nico Collins, although it's gotten way better than it was in the beginning of the season. You think back to the Wisconsin game. The, the game was out of hand, no chance for Michigan to win, and that's when they start throwing up to Nico Collins, who makes all these really good catches, and you're like, where has this been? Uh, we're starting to see more and more of that, and I think if, if that could come full circle and, and you factor in Ronnie Bell and, and Donovan Peoples-Jones, the the speed they offer, and, and everyone has pretty good hands for the most part. I mean, they're, they're – Obviously, Ronnie Bell had had the drop against Penn State, but when you look at the season uh, as a whole, there have I, I can't think of any like egregious drops or um, you know a streak where you cringe when Shea Patterson throws them the ball because you're like, oh, is he going to catch this? Just reliable for the most part, and and so I I think as long as Shea Patterson continues to go upward in, in this system and he's got these receivers at his disposal you know Michigan will be able to I mean we're looking at two games left but they'll be able to to go into Bloomington I think and win and then hang with Ohio State and and see what can happen late maybe but it, it, this is the thing that gives me so much hope over the 
the course of the next couple of weeks and then looking ahead at a bowl game, it's the fact that the receivers are looking um, more dynamic and Shea Patterson's looking more comfortable and you put them together and, and you've got an offense that can score 44 points while your whole team rushes for 83 yards. That's that's going to be a great thing to have going forward. Yeah, I, what I like about Nico Collins and, and Ronnie Bell, again, very different players, but even though Nico Collins has 11 less receptions, um, he still has 484 yards um, just behind Ronnie Bell's 610. And he, what I like about Nico Collins is the few receptions he does get a game. Uh, and there have been games where he wasn't targeted very heavily, including Notre Dame. I, I believe his only target was a touchdown, or his only reception at least was a touchdown. I know he's been targeted other times. Uh, but he makes the most out of him. He's a sure-handed go up and get the ball. That's why he's averaging nearly 20 yards uh, per catch. Uh, he has a big 50-yard plus play as well, and so I think that it just has to be so nice for any quarterback, especially Shea Patterson, who uh, we envisioned him being, or at least hoping that he would be uh, the quarterback that he was against Michigan State uh, throughout his tenure at uh, at Michigan. And I, and I feel like one of the things that we had to realize right away is, okay, well, at Ole Miss, he threw the ball more. Uh, and if you even compare this year's stats to last year's stats, uh, it's going to, unless they start throwing the ball like crazy against Indiana and Ohio State and, and whatever bowl game, um, he's still behind in terms of uh, completions, attempts, and yards. Uh, touchdowns looks like it could get pretty close. Uh, but I, I just feel like to have those four weapons and a couple of uh, good tight ends uh, and Eubanks and McCune, who had a, a great game, uh, I feel like. You just have nothing uh, but but just options, and I, that's something that we haven't seen at Michigan in a very long time. I actually was just watching uh, the, the part of the 2006 Michigan-Ohio State game last night in ESPNU, uh, and that was the season where their top receivers were Mario Manningham, Steve Breston, and Aiden. Uh, Arrington, Adrian Arrington, and just to think that they had three studs, I'm like, wow, like Michigan has four studs this year. They have a couple of young guys coming up. I mean, even Cornelius Johnson got into the into the mix uh, with a kind of a stinger play at the, the end there where Michigan just wanted to run it up. And uh, Giles Jackson, Sandra Still, I mean, you've got guys that have talent. And for the first time in a long time, it seems like the passing game could be uh, a really effective and a, and a highlight of the offense moving forward year after year. All right, let's spend our last few minutes talking about Indiana, a game that usually when it comes up, we're like, oh, look how it's a trap game. Indiana always plays Michigan tough, and, and that's true. Indiana, in the recent past, has played good teams tough. But we can't really call it a trap game this year because Indiana is just playing good. Like They were ranked in the AP for the first time, and – a long, long time. I can't remember the exact number of years, but um, they lost to Penn State then only by a touchdown on the road last week. So they dropped out of the AP rankings. This is not a top 25 matchup, unfortunately, but it very easily could have been. This is on the road, like I said. I think I'm going to be there, actually. I'm looking forward to that. I like going to Bloomington. Been there a couple times. Anyway, how nervous are you about this game against Indiana, especially considering – you got Ohio State coming the week after, and and Michigan just traditionally, or I shouldn't say traditionally, but you know, in the recent past, has not played very well against Indiana, even though they win. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the last two times they've they've visited, uh, they you had the two overtime uh, win. Uh, I think it was like 
in the forties. Um, and then 2017 traveled and, um, won like 27 to 20 in overtime, uh, a game where I'm pretty sure Indiana got all the way back into it after Michigan looked like they were going to dominate. And so Indiana, I was there, Indiana did get back into it and there was a late, um, onside kick that it looked like Indiana had recovered, oh, yeah. but mm-hmm. on, on further review, they, I think they said, I want to say it was Nick Westbrook had, had stepped out of bounds, but unfortunately for my stress, I was there in that game for that game in 2017. Yeah, even an Indiana team that uh, finished under 500 in 2016 uh, kind of pushed Michigan in a, in a game that started with you know kind of some weather that the Michigan Michigan State get, game had over the weekend, and I was there with my dad for this one at the big house that ended up being the snowball. Uh, and Michigan had just obviously scored enough to to win, but that twenty to ten was a lot closer than than the score would lead you to believe. And and then last year, um, uh, again, a game that probably closer than uh, than you wanted it to be uh, at Michigan thirty one twenty. And so Indiana historically, no matter how good they've ended, many years under five hundred uh, has taken Michigan to the wire. Uh, when the game's at home for the Hoosiers. And so I'm hoping that even though Indiana is the better team or a better team than they have been in the past, Michigan is still the better team um, with outputs against Maryland on the road and then Michigan State and Notre Dame and, and just how good the offense has looked. Maybe this is the year where you can't call the trap game uh, that Michigan blows the doors off Indiana. And I think uh, that would be would be great. And the one thing that I will say about Indiana is I can't remember what it's up to now, but it's like 24, 25 consecutive wins in a row for for Michigan. At some point, Indiana is going to win, and you just can't have a streak that goes on forever. So that, that I'm always a little bit superstitious when they start showing that early in the game, middle of the game, whenever it is that you know Michigan's won so many consecutive and probably 40 out of 45 or whatever it is. I just completely made that up uh, because at some point the Hoosiers are going to come through. And the last two times, again, um, they hosted this game. Uh, they were just an overtime away from, from making it happen. The difference with this Indiana team compared to ones in the recent past is that they seem like a complete team. Finally, we're used to Indiana having a really uh I want to say really bad. I mean, it's been really bad at times, a defense that, that can't stop anybody, and then an offense that you can't stop. And and you just go on and score and score and score forever until one of you finally can't do it anymore. And usually that's Indiana that can't do it anymore. They're kind of uh, infamous for playing good teams really close and not quite finding a way to pull it out at the end. But this Indiana team has a good defense, allowing 21 points a game, which uh, isn't as good as Michigan's 16, but but that's pretty good when you talk about Indiana especially. Peyton Ramsey is in there for Michael Penix. Um, Penix is hurt, but, but Ramsey obviously is a guy who most people will recognize anyway, his name, because he's been around the program for a while and has a lot of starts under his belt, and he's been playing really well. Um, Stevie Scott still a really powerful running back. Uh, who running backs do typically have their way Indiana running backs I should say do typically have their way with Michigan's defense uh, I think one of those games you were referencing that, that went into to double overtime um, was it Jordan Howard was he the running back the main running back then I mean just just ran all over Michigan oh, yeah. they had no answer for him but this is a game I think a casual football fan could tune into 
and really enjoy because they're two teams that have it together on both sides of the ball and they have good skill players. And if, if one team wins 21, 17, you won't be that surprised. And if it goes up into the forties, I don't think you'd be that surprised either, but Indiana's a a complete team and, and you got to give them that. And you're absolutely right. Streaks can't go on forever. I'm looking at Ohio state. When I say that streaks cannot go on forever. Mm -hmm. They do have to end at some point. And, and just really, really hoping that it does not end here because I would like Indiana to go beat like Penn State, you know, before like I I don't want the first big game they win to be against Michigan. But if it's gotta be that way, I, you know, what can you do about it? So what uh score prediction do you have for this one? So I'm gonna go with forty five to seventeen. Okay, so you do think this will be one where Michigan blows the doors open and walks away handily? Yep, I, I think that just the way they've been playing and the, and the way the offense looked, I'm hoping that uh, Michigan will find a way to get more of a ground game going. Uh, but I think that uh, Michigan is, is hot right now. I think that what we're seeing, um, and, and again, it's hard to not include some bias and some hope. Uh, you obviously want them to play as well as possible heading into an Ohio State matchup. But when you look at how Michigan's won, I really sense that Notre Dame game uh, against quality, a quality team there and, and against a, a decent uh, run defense, at least for Michigan State. Uh, I just feel like they've controlled the games. They've controlled the tempo. They've been able to do what they want. And I don't know why we'd expect any different on the road other than the fact that Indiana, again, has somehow found a way to, to stick into these games, especially at home. I don't have a good feeling for like the pace of the game or, you know, if one team um, has to figure some things out at halftime, but I do think Michigan wins. uh, I'm going to say 38 to 25. I trust that this offense has actually found its rhythm and, you know, a, a good defense can get in there and maybe slow it down a little bit, but, not going to be able to stop it. I I do trust that at this point. The thing I'd be worried about most is a thing you can't measure, which is how much is Ohio State distracting from this preparation or from this game. Of course, you would never hear that, but um, this a this a sports legend. You know, you get caught looking ahead and and you slip up against a team that you probably shouldn't slip up against. That's the thing I'd be worried about probably more than anything. But as I said can't really measure it so uh i i think i would be at this game derek you got an open invitation to come come down if you want you know i we uh my wife and i actually looked at tickets found tickets for a reasonable price and considered it hate to to break it to you we probably will not be be making the trip um but i hope you have a great time i hope you send me photos and you know i i think that you'll see hopefully a dominant michigan victory And, and one more thing on the trap game uh, I think this is the third time since, I don't know, 2016, maybe 2015, where it's been Michigan's uh, final game before Ohio State. And so with that, uh, you know, with Ohio State always being on the mind and uh, always going to be top of mind for that matter, I think that that's naturally why this has been called a trap game. But you're absolutely right. This is a better Indiana team. Uh, and so maybe that means Michigan runs into even more trouble um, when they already do seem to have trouble with the Hoosiers. But hopefully they'll block that out uh, and give you a show there uh, down in Indiana. 
All right. Well, thank you for listening to us on the Go Blue Crew. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Ty underscore Fenwick. And Derek is at Divine Identity. Thanks for listening. And go Blue. Go Blue.